Thanks for joining us today. We love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So we encourage you to share your story with us at info at fellowshipgj.com. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that online at fellowshipgj.com and pick the giving option that works best for you. Help us continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thanks for joining us and enjoy today's message. Guys, I'm excited about today because we're kind of summing up what we've been talking about the last couple weeks in this series, A Renewed Mind. And we've gotten this series, this idea from a verse where Paul is speaking to a group of believers in Rome. And it's to this group of believers, he says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's a verse that should wake us up because it suggests to us that you can be a follower of Christ. You can know Jesus, you can be forgiven, and you can settle for a life that is conformed to the pattern of the world. A life where they're going in the same cycles of of destruction and failure. But he's saying, no, you don't just settle for justification with the relationship with God. You should pursue the fact that you can have complete transformation. That for those of us that are followers of Christ, we have available to us the fact that we can live a life entirely altered. And he says the key to this is the renewing of your mind. So I want to look at the verse again, but I want to take it a little bit farther into what he says this morning. He says, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And he says, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I, I love the way it's stated here in the, the New King James Version translation because it says, then you will be able to prove the will of God. So what this tells us, it's one thing to, to, to hear that God can and will transform your life, but it's a completely different thing to live your life in a way that proves that God has completely transformed your life. It's one thing to say, I'm more than a conqueror. It's another thing to live your life in a way that proves that you're more than a conqueror. It's one thing to say that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. It's another thing to live your life in a way that proves that that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. See, we should live a life that proves what we believe. And Paul says this is through the renewing of your mind. We understand it in the natural realm. You've You've heard the joke, never trust a skinny chef, right? If you got some little 95-pound woman telling you she bakes the best cake in town, you're like, yeah, right, you've never eaten a piece of cake in your life, right? I want to I talk to someone who eats some cake, right? It, b- because we, we can look at our lives and we can see that by the action of the way we live our lives, our lives are going to prove what we actually believe. And, and, and Paul is saying, okay. As a follower of Christ, what you need to understand is, yes, you can be saved, you can be forgiven, you can have a home forever in heaven, and you can choose to live a life to go right along the flow with the way the rest of the world does, but, but he's saying God offers something so much better for you, that, that by the renewing of your mind, you can live a life that's transformed, that's changed, that will prove God's perfect will in your life, and then as a testimony to the people's lives around you as well. So we started this series a couple weeks ago. In week one, we talked about the fact that if you want to have a mind that is renewed, you have to first be ready for mind renewal. That You have to get ready by, by having an open mind 
by having a, a humble mind, by having an honest mind. And then last week, we talked about the fact that we got to stay awake. And that if you want to have a mind that's ready for renewal, there's some certain things that you need to be awake to, that, that you pay attention to, uh, areas of influence in your life, and injuries in your life, and education in your life. There's some things that you have to stay awake to and alert to so that you're not allowing the enemy to plant seeds in the field of your mind that can, can grow deception in your mind. So basically, last week, we talked about what not to do when it comes to mind renewal, and today we're going to talk about what to do. What, what do you need to do if you're going to have a mind that's renewed? So really, we're asking the question today, what are you thinking about? What are you thinking about? In fact, turn to the person next to you and ask them, what are you thinking about right now? I hope it's not who's texting you right now or where you're going to lunch, but what are you thinking about? Would you pray with me right now? Heavenly Father, we stand before you as your kids right now, just so thankful for Jesus. Thankful for the fact that he made a way for us to come right before you. And I pray right now, God, as we get into your word, that you would open it up to us. Open our minds. Unveil us, God, so that we would be able to see and understand exactly what it is that you want to speak to each of us today. Help us, God, by renewing our minds, by transforming our lives, so that we would look more like you before we leave here today. And it's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Everyone said? Amen. Amen. So Paul was speaking to another group of believers in, in, the, in Philippi. He, and it's found in Philippians chapter 4. He's talking to them about peace. And, and he says something to them that I think there's a lot of people in this room that have, can quote this scripture. And we know this scripture. But I want to look at it here because, because Paul's saying if you want to have peace in your life, you have to have a prayer life. And he says it this way in Philippians chapter 4 verse 4. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Uh, I love this because he's saying... Uh, we, we all want peace in our life. And if you want peace, he's saying, you have to understand that you have to have a prayer life. That to have peace in your life, you have to be continually talking to God about the things that, that are important to you and, and, and presenting your requests to God. Not just trying to get through life on your own, but talking to God. And a lot of us, we hear that scripture and, and we, we kind of put the period on the end of what Paul's talking about here. Like, well, Obviously, what we need to do is have a prayer life if we want to have peace, but, but Paul is in the middle of a statement here. And, and in fact, he keeps on going. He says, first off, we have to have a prayer life, but then he sums up what he's talking about with peace, and he's, he continues on and says this, starting in verse 8. He says, so finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, Whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. So Paul is trying to teach the believers. He's saying, listen, uh, you, can, you can pray right and think wrong and not have peace. That if you want to have peace in your life, you have to have a prayer life, but you also have to think right. That peace in your life is, is, is just as important what you're thinking about as what you're praying about. 
And don't you know you can be praying about the right things and thinking about the wrong things and not have peace in your life? Don't you know you can be, you can, in fact, I, I've done this so many different times where I'm talking to God about something that I'm, I'm worried about, I'm concerned about, and I'm, I, I'm trying to, to present it to God, but I'm focusing on it more and more, and God, I got this problem coming up, and when you help me with this problem, what about this? And I've got this struggle, and I got that going on, and my focus is so much on what, what struggles I have, it's like I'm getting the first half of this where I'm talking to God, but I'm not controlling what I think about, so so Paul's saying, no, it's just, important, just as important what you're thinking about as what you're praying about if you want to have peace. And I wonder if I'm the only person in this room who has ever struggled with my thought life. That I lay in bed at night sometimes and I stare at the wall and, and I know God loves me. And I, I know he has a plan for me and I know he's in control, but I, I hear my wife asleep next to me and I stare at the wall and I'm thinking about the problems for tomorrow. I'm thinking about that concern. I'm thinking about a person in my life that I love who's going through a problem. And it's like I sit there and I'm walking the floor and like I'm not getting rest. I'm not getting peace. And, and, and I wonder, am I the only person in this room that sometimes you feel like, like, I believe that God's in control. But why is it I struggle so much in my mind? Why is it I, I find myself thinking about things and I'm just going, I'm not going to think about this anymore. And, and in fact, what it creates is a fixation in me that that becomes all that I'm thinking about. And see, Paul is saying, no, 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 no. I'm going to tell you exactly what you should think about. You should think about the things in your life that are good, that are praiseworthy. Like, you've you got to focus on the right things. You've got to think about what you're thinking about. That's the way Joyce Meyer says it. I love it. The way she says it. You've got to think about what you're thinking about. I love that. But the truth is, if you're going to think about what you're thinking about, you, you have to believe you have the ability to think about what you're thinking about. That's where we've got to embrace what theologians call dominion theology. Dominion theology we get from Genesis chapter 1 and verse 28, where, where the Bible shows us that God told us we are to take dominion over the creation that God has created, that he owns it, but we're to be the stewards of it. We see here in verse 28, it says, then, then God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on earth. In the very beginning, God is saying, I want you to take dominion over every living thing. Do you realize that that includes your mind? That includes you. That from the very beginning, he's saying, if it's, a creation of mine, and it walks the earth, you were to take dominion over it. And a lot of us, we think, well, that means that, that we're more important than the animals. We have dominion over them. We can take control over them. We should be stewards over, uh, over his creation, but you are part of his creation. He said, I want you to take dominion over yourself, dominion over your own minds. That means you need to think about what you're thinking about. And there might be people in this room go, wait a minute, that, that seems Old Testament. That, 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 that seems a little old. Well, talk to me about now. Well, in the New Testament, the exact same thing is told to us in different words. In fact, in the New Testament, in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, it says, We demolish arguments and every pretension, that's, pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. This verse, first off, tells us that we have to engage in battle for our thoughts. 
The word here, take captive, in the original language, it's a very aggressive word. It actually means to hold at spear point. So he's saying we need to take the thoughts that we have and we have got to gain control over them. I wonder when it comes to your thought life, would you say that you control your thought life the same way a soldier controls a captive? Where you say, no, I am taking control here. I'm taking charge. You don't have a say in what's going on. I am fully in control. And it's saying it's this type of an aggressive takeover when it comes to our thought lives. Where where we say, "Um, every thought that comes into my mind, I've got to take control of it. What this means, if we embrace the fact that God has given us dominion over our own thoughts, what this means is I don't have to think about everything that comes into my mind. You realize that? You don't have to think every thought that comes into your mind. You don't have to embrace every thought and think that that's just going to be the way it is. In fact, for us to take dominion over our own thoughts, it means I'm not going to wake up in the morning and listen to the way I feel. I'm going to wake up in the morning and tell myself how I feel. Because the Bible says, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Do you recognize it doesn't say this is the day the Lord has made. I feel like rejoicing and I feel like being glad because there's some days you wake up and you don't feel like rejoicing. So there are some days you get up and you look in the mirror and say, I will rejoice in this day. Because honestly, there are days I wake up and and I feel a little bit sad. I feel a little bit angry, a little bit, a little bit on, on the depressed side. And when I wake up and I have those feelings, th- this is where the Bible says, wait a minute, I've got to take captive. I've got to put this at a spear point, take control of it, and say, no, you are not in charge here. Okay, I'm going to submit you to the obedience of Christ. And what Christ says is that this is a day where I should be rejoicing. I should be glad. I'm going to completely take charge over my own thoughts. You, why? Because you have dominion over your own, your own thoughts. So you know, I'm gonna be happy today, why am I gonna be happy today? Because I can't control what's going to happen to me today, but I can control how I think about what's gonna happen to me. I can't control how she's gonna act today, but I can control how I'm gonna respond. I can't control if, if I'm gonna make a bunch of money at work today, but I can control how my attitude is as I move through this day. I take dominion over what's going on in my head. And if you remember what we talked about over the last couple of weeks, we realized that, that we're being battled in our mind because Satan is trying to discourage you. He's trying to, to, to win a battle in your mind where you stop trusting God and you start worrying about all of these other things because really, Worry is just imagining the wrong things. Isn't it funny that it's the very same organ that can cause you to anticipate a vacation and be excited about a vacation? The same organ can cause you to anticipate anticipate a meeting and be worried and concerned about a meeting. (laughs) What are we thinking about? you got to focus on what you're supposed to be focused on. I remember when I was growing up, my grandfather, he had big Coke bottle glasses. And um, not just his big Coke bottle glasses, but he'd read his Bible every day. And when he did, he pulled out one of those giant magnifying glasses. Because 
He couldn't see, even through his big glasses, he couldn't see the words on the page, so he would pull out a magnifying glass so that he could focus, and it would make the tiny little letters on the page appear so much bigger. And if you've ever looked through one of those and you fix your focus on something, it appears like it's huge, but as soon as you get back from it, you realize it's really it's not that big. It's all a matter of where your focus is. And see, there's a lot of us that we struggle in our minds because we have our focus fixed on things that we can't do anything about. So we're imagining what might take place tomorrow. And since there was a problem at work, and now I'm focused on that problem of work, I've fixed my mind and I've fixed my thoughts towards that problem at work. It's like everything else starts to just fade away. And all I can see is that problem. And the more I look at it, the more it seems bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And this is why the Bible says we got to take captive these thoughts because as we're fixing our focus on our problem and we're worrying about it, it seems so huge. And now all of a sudden, my, my kids got in trouble at school and I'm, I'm starting to build all these scenarios. Are they going to get kicked out of school? And does that mean they're not going to be able to get the education that they want and then the job that they want and they're going to end up underneath the bridge and then, or they're going to come back and move into my basement for the rest of my life? Like, all why? Because, because we focused on something and made it so much bigger. And see, we, we look at this and all Scripture hints towards and leans towards, if we're going to be focusing on something, we should be focused on the greatness of God. In fact, I keep a telescope in my office. Some of you know this. You've heard it over the years. I, I keep a telescope in my office, and I keep it pointed up, and I keep it there as a reminder of the fact that my attention and my focus needs to be so upward and so towards what God is doing that everything else seems small. The, the, the problems in my life seem small, and it's true. When you focus on what God is doing, every other little issue in life seems to fade away. But it's all a matter of where your focus is. See, if you want to be successful in life, you have to fix your focus. If you want to be successful in a diet, you got to really be careful what you're focusing on. I don't know about you, but it seems like it's always day two or three of my diet when, when I, I find myself watching the Food Network you go, I can't believe I'm so hungry right now, right? Why is Guy Fieri always in these diners where there's like fried chicken wings and, and pork shoulders? And I wonder, is Dave still open right now? Like, I, and you go, oh, why is this so difficult? Well, what am I fixing my focus on? And then we, we take it to really a more personal, a more important thing. And we go, if we want to walk in love with someone then why are we fixing our focus on the things that annoy us about them? Like, if I want to have a loving relationship with my spouse, then why do I keep thinking about the ways that I've been hurt or the ways that I've been upset? Because you can start to focus on things and look at them until they become so big that all of a sudden you realize that that's all you see anymore. And the Bible says, no, 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 no. You, you, you got to fix your focus. You got to be thinking about whatever is good. Whatever's praiseworthy, whatever's excellent. But this creates a problem in me. Because I don't know about you, but for me, I've tried this. I've tried it over and over and over again, and I've failed over and over and over again. Because I think, okay, well, tomorrow I'm not going to be fearful. Tomorrow I'm going to get up out of bed, and I'm not going to think about how much I get frustrated by that person. So I'm getting out of bed and I'm focused on, I'm not going to be upset when he says this to me. And is he going to say it to me because I'm not going to be upset when he says that to me today? You wonder, why am I struggling so bad? Well, the answer 
It's kind of interesting because we live in a culture that, that teaches us that we should be people who are good at multitasking, but there's, there's a whole community of psychologists that are proving through science that, that you don't have the ability to multitask. You don't have the actual ability to think about more than one thing at once. You can switch back and forth between different thoughts, but you only have the ability to think about one thing at a time. The psychologist Brian Tra- Tracy in his book, No Excuses, introduces us to the idea of, of, of the law of substitution. Because the law of substitution says if the human mind can only focus on one thought at a time, then you do not have the ability to decide to not think about a purple elephant. Because if I just say purple elephant, and I'm trying to get you to think about an elephant that had a bucket of purple paint dumped on his head, and he's standing there in the zoo, and he looks purple, then every one of us in this room are thinking about a purple elephant. If you decide I'm not going to think about a purple elephant anymore, what are you thinking about? But if you say, wait a minute, what, was, what did I have for breakfast on Monday? And, and you start to think about what you had for breakfast. Now think about it. It was several days ago. You got up before you went to the office. What did you have to eat on Monday morning? You're no longer thinking about what we were just talking about. Yes, you can recall it back to your memory, but the law of substitution says you have to replace a thought with a thought. It, it's either or. It's one thing or the other. Now, a lot of us, we, we don't like the whole either-or thing. We're in a culture where I want everything at the same time. I want it all. Like, it bugs me when we go out to dinner and my wife will say to my kids, you can either have cake or ice cream. I'm like, no, let's have both, right? <laughs> yes, amen. Can you tell I'm hungry? Heck on. But in, in real life, we, we, we think, I want everything at the same time, but when it comes to our minds, it's either or. You can only focus on one thing at a time. And when you can, when you can grab a hold of this understanding and recognize that you have to replace a, a negative thought with a good thought, you have to replace a worldly thought with a godly thought, then we can recognize the reason why we struggle so much with our thought life is we're fixated on the things we shouldn't be thinking about. People dealing with struggles, dealing with sin. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna get on the computer. I'm not gonna look at pornography today. And all day long, you're wrapping your mind around the very thing that you shouldn't be thinking about. We have to replace it with other things. This law of substitution is not a new thought. It, it, it's not just something that the scientific community has come up with in the last generation. It is, in fact, something that the Bible tells us over and over and over again. Thousands of years ago, there were writers in the Old Testament talking about the law of substitution. Psalms chapter 1, uh, I love this passage, it says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in the step with the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or take, uh, or take or sit in the company of mockers, but who delights in the law of the Lord and who meditates on this law day and night. So back in the Old Testament, The writers, inspired by God, are saying, you can think about the way the world thinks, or you can think about the word of God, and you're going to have a blessed life if you choose to think about the way the, 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 the word of God is, as opposed to thinking about the way the world thinks. That there's a law of substitution here, that you can't just think about everything that comes your way. You can't just have an opinion about everything that comes your way and listen to the opinions of the world. But you have to instead substitute those things with something so much more important, and that's the word of God. What do you do? You replace a bad thought 
with the word of God. So if you're struggling with fear, you, you replace the thoughts about fear with what God's word says about fear. And, and you go, I, I'm, I'm dealing with fear right now. We recall that in 2 Timothy, the Bible says that God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. And then we start to think, my focus should be on self-control. My focus should be on love. And as I'm focusing on how I can be more loving today and how I can control my actions more today, then I'm not focused on the things that were bothering me early. Or, or we go, you know, I'm, I'm feeling lonely today. And instead of just sinking into a hole of loneliness or uh, being sad, we, we remember that God's word gives us a promise. His word tells us, okay, um, God said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So instead of focusing on feeling lonely right now, I should focus on the fact that God said he didn't, didn't leave me. So he's actually here with me right now. He's in this room and my focus can now change that. How can I connect with him? How can I feel closer to him? How can I hear from him right now? It's like it, it changes our focus completely. See, the Bible says in Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, it says, keep this book of law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night. See, if we're going to be able to replace the thoughts that are in our mind with God's word, we first have to know God's word. It can't just be, I went to church and once heard some pastor say something. I wonder, are you taking in God's word? It says, keep this book of law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. In this writing here, it tells us that we need to meditate on God's word. The, the word meditate actually comes from a word that means chew. We should be chewing on it. Just like a cow will, will chew something, ingest it, and then like spit it back up and chew it again. <laughs> I know that's gross, but that's what the writer here is he's using the same word. He's talking about the fact that we should be taking in the word of God, and we should be chewing on it and processing it. And God said this about me, and Jesus said this about living a blessed life, and we chew on it, and we process it, we ingest it. And then later on throughout the day, we need to bring it back up. And we need to chew on it a little bit more and think about it a little bit more. We need to be focused on what God's word says. And this goes back to what Paul's saying. He says, we're going to become transformed. Why? By the renewing of our minds. How? By the renewing of our minds. It happens when we stop thinking about all of the things that the world is trying to give us, but we substitute that with God's word, with his law. This morning I want to give you two real simple applicable points about how to meditate on God's word. How to chew on it, how to, how to ingest it, how to bring it in. And, and I know they're simple, but I hope every one of you will take this seri serious and write it down and start doing this practice because God's word can transform your life. The first thing, this is very simple. Read what you need. Read what you need. Where do you struggle? What are you dealing with right now? Read what God's word says about that. And I say this because I've seen so many people get frustrated because you might be dealing with lust and you've started your Bible reading plan that, that, that was in the beginning of Genesis and then now you've moved into the book of Leviticus and you're reading about how priests are supposed to follow specific laws in the book of Levit Leviticus and you're going, I can't even say it right, Leviticus, and, and you're going, this is not helping me because I'm still struggling with lust. 
It's not helping me because I still have got that pull towards this addiction and I'm frustrated right now and I don't know if, I, if this is even really helpful for me to be in God's word. So you can't make reading God's word like some religious thing. Like you gotta just break it down and read from the beginning to the end, every word in there. I mean, it'd be a wonderful thing for us to move to where we're all understanding what God's word says from the beginning to the end, but we've gotta start off somewhere and you start off with what you need. So if you're feeling hopeless, you got to read what God's Word says about hope. If you're feeling, you know, struggles towards temptations, you got to read about those temptations. And, and see, what a lot of people might not understand is in the back of your Bible, almost every Bible I've ever seen has got a topical concordance. So you can flip through there and, and, and read the topic and go, well, this topic right here on lust, it tells me I should go to these verses and read what Jesus has to say about lust in Matthew. It said I should go back here in the Old Testament and read what it says about it. And, and we, can, we can get into God's word and start reading where we actually need help. That's the perfect place to start. Of course, we'd hope it would grow from there, but we've got to start somewhere. So number one, you read what you need, and then number two, Number two, we meditate during contemplative moments. Meditate during contemplative moments. Let me, let me tell you what I mean by this. We find this in Deuteronomy chapter six. This shows us that even if you feel like you're busy, you have time to meditate on God's word. You might not have time for other things, but, but you have time to meditate on God's words. It says, these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your forehead. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. So the writer here in Deuteronomy is telling us that we need to have God's word on our mind and be talking about it with our kids. And he gives us four different specific times. When you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Why these times? These are the times in every one of our days when we find ourselves contemplating things. These are the times when your mind is not already busy with something else. So these are the times when we actually are tempted the most as well. Have you ever recognized this? It's not when you're busy. It's not when you're going after something and trying to complete a task and you're focused on something at work that you find yourself the most tempted. It's the times when you lay down in bed and your mind is just walking the floor. It's the times when you're traveling. This is when you walk along the road. What about when you're driving your car down the road and, and you're just going from one place to another and you have time now for your thoughts to wander? I mean, these are the times if you're struggling with something that, that the struggle comes up in your mind. And this is where God is saying this is the exact time that you should be focused on the word of God. That you should be recalling and meditating on, chewing on what God's word says. So you should have a habit where you're ingesting God's word and then it's during those times in the day when you lay down in bed and that's where the temptation comes up where instead of thinking about that temptation, you, you put into practice the law of substitution and now instead I'm gonna focus on and meditate on God's word. And I was reading in the Bible, we see that in, in Matthew, Jesus was talking on the Sermon on the Mount and he was saying that to have a blessed life, my life is gonna look this way, it's gonna look that way. And as I'm a follower of Christ, God, 
I want my life to look that way. And all of a sudden now I'm focused on what God wants for my life, living my life in a way that would transform me as opposed to just focusing on the same old cycles, the same old struggles that everyone else in the world is focused on. I wonder, are you taking the time throughout the the day to meditate on God's word? To allow God's word to transform you, to allow it to change you. This is taking captive every thought. This is saying, you know what, I'm not going to just live my life based on what I feel in the morning. I'm not going to just live my life based on what I heard some other opinion. But I'm going to live my life based on what God said is his word should be in my mouth, in my mind, every day of my life. See, if I were to be honest with you in closing this series out, this is coming from a place where in my heart I've got some concerns. I've got some concerns for our church. I've got some concerns for, for my own personal family. I've got some concerns for our entire generation. Because I believe that there are far too few of us that meditate on God's word. There are far too few of us that, that read his word. There are far too few of us that, that sit our kids down and read God's word to our kids. And I'm telling you, I'm not pointing the finger at anyone in this room because I, I can tell you I have a lot of conviction about this in my own life where I can remember my parents spending a lot of time reading Bible stories to me and I think, well, well why don't I create that same habit in my life? But the concern here is that God wants us to have the type of a life that is transformed so that it proves his perfect will to our family, to, to our coworkers, to our city. And if we're not allowing him to transform our lives, then how are we cooperating with what he's telling us here? So I, I have this concern of there's too few of us that are actually taking the time to receive this gift from God where he said, I'm going to give you my word. I'm going to tell you how to live life so that you can be prosperous. Why am I going to be prosperous by reading his word? Well, he has something to say about everything. He has something to say about work and money and and, and how we handle our finances and relationships and sex and homosexuality and how we have conflicts with people and forgiveness. He has something to say about every bit of it. And and this is why it says that we will be prosperous when we take in his word and we meditate on it and chew on it. Because then when the world has all these opinions about different things, we're not listening to those opinions. We are living our lives based on what we know God already said about what he created so church I want first I want to invite you to stand to your feet with me and I want to encourage you because this shouldn't be a a painful thing this shouldn't be a correction and a slap on the hand where you feel like oh I'm not reading my bible enough I'm I'm leaving here judged no I think this is something for every one of us to go if God has given us such a wonderful gift why don't we take advantage of his word more in our lives You know, it was just a generation ago that on Sunday mornings, every time you looked around, every person in in the room was carrying a Bible with them. And I think there's a lot of us, we don't even have the habit of carrying a Bible with us when we go to church, but, but there's a gift that this generation has that's really pretty neat, because in a very busy world where we're struggling to find time for anything, uh, every one of us in this room that has a smartphone, you have a Bible in your pocket. 
Do you know that you can get the U version Bible? It's free in the app store. You can get the U version Bible and have a Bible with you at all times and take the time to read it. And I hear people say, I don't have the time to read the Bible in the morning. I got to get my kids up. I got to get ready. I got to get my hair done. You know what's really cool? I'm going to talk about my wife for a moment. Every morning I hear her get up and she goes into the bathroom to get ready and she opens up the version Bible and she doesn't have the time to be able to focus on the words while she's getting ready. So you can hit play on the version Bible and it will read to you. <laughs> Did you guys know that? You could be listening to God's word while you're headed to work. You can listen to it while you're getting up in the morning. But, but these tools are available to you. Maybe you want a Bible, you don't have it, you don't have a phone for whatever reason, stop by our information booth. We have Bibles that we give away for free so that you can have his word in your hands. So before we dismiss, I want, I want to ask you to just think for a moment. What would it look like? What would your life look like? What would your marriage look like? What would your relationship with your kids look like if you allowed God's word to transform your mind and the way that you acted in each of those areas? Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your truth. We thank you for your word. And I think for a lot of us right now, we need to repent of the fact that we have spent the majority of our lives taking in the opinions and the advice of people you created as opposed to taking in your word. So God, we ask right now that you would help us, help us to make some changes in our life, to renew our mind, to, to focus on your word and, and instead of focusing on what the world has to say. I pray that you would encourage us. I pray that you would change us. I pray that some habits would be created even today where we would start meditating on your word, taking it in and replacing all of the thoughts that are causing us to walk the floor in the middle of the night and replacing it with your truth and your hope for our lives. So God, I pray that you would bless each and every one of us. I pray for a greater understanding of your scripture. I pray for greater self-control over ourselves so that we would be able to put you first. And it's in Jesus Christ's name. And we all said, amen. amen. I love you guys. We'll see you tonight for Worship for the Valley. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans, chapter 10, verse 9, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You can do that right now. I want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are Lord and confess that you are my savior, that you died on the cross for my sins and you rose again. And God, I thank you for that. I ask you to be my savior, to guide my life, and to give me a home forever in heaven with you. And God, I ask you this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, amen. If you just prayed this prayer for the first time, or if you need additional prayer, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY or at prayer at fellowshipgj.com. Thanks again. 
and we hope to see you next week.